Just a quick warning that we will be discussing heavy themes like suicide, sexual assault, abusive relationships, religion, and again, the big existential questions. This is an unbleat version of our thoughts as they come to us. Hello, and welcome to our fourth episode, part two of Monkey and Bear. This is a Hopeless Endeavor, a Joanna Newsom podcast. My name is Sam. I live in Vancouver. And I'm Nikki. I live in Ithaca in upstate New York. Uh, thank you guys so much for rejoining us here for our fourth episode, our second part on Monkey and Bear. We talked about Monkey and Bear for a real long time. So we just kept going and going. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so if you're still with us, thank you so much. Um, please send us any feedback. We'd be more than happy to hear from you guys. Uh, and yeah, thank you for listening. Thank you guys. Enjoy this part two of Monkey and Bear. Will you keep your fancy clothes on for me was the next one. Right. Oh, wait, did we read that first yet? No, yeah. You read all the way down to can you bear a little oh, yeah. longer? Can to you wear bear a little leash? longer to wear that leash? Yeah. Yes. So again, he's um, just moving that goal forward. Yep. Yeah. Um, yeah, just a little longer, a little longer, and then like you'll have whatever I'm promising you. Um, also, like leash is an interesting um like article to bring up because it implies that there's someone who is on the holding end of that, on the controlling end of that leash. Mm-hmm. And like clearly here it has to be monkey. And then yeah, just like the end of this little verse here, like my love, I swear by the air I breathe sooner or later, sooner or later, you'll bear your teeth. The only really note that I had about this part was the, I really like sort of how evocative the, I swear by the air I breathe is, especially because I think that bear <laughs> drowns or at the end. If she doesn't drown, she's in some water and not breathing some air. So like, uh, yeah, I think this might be foreshadowing a little bit. And it's just such a manipulative statement too, right? Like yeah. by the air I breathe, like yeah. everything that keeps me alive, I swear, my love, you'll have the chance to eat eventually. But like, And like, is it you'll bear your teeth? I, I don't know where I read it, but it may have been on Genius that you know, we're heading towards the land of milk and honey, you will have a chance to eat. Or is it like you will have your chance at retribution or you will have your chance at freedom? Right. I think you're exactly right, Sam, that like the the bare your teeth here is super ambiguous. Like what does it mean? What is the thing that is being promised, right? So there is what you said, like I can eat finally, like which mm-hmm. is there's this ongoing theme of bear being hungry as fuck throughout this whole song. Starving. Starving, She's right. starving not only for the physical food, but for the freedom of choice, right? Yeah, yeah. And maybe they both are in that sense too. Um, but someone's holding the leash, right? Like she's – the borders are girded by man and whether that's monkey or someone else. Bear is more – or sorry, monkey is more free than bear is. Um, yes, at for this sure. point. So like yeah. – because of that bear is more hungry because she's been she's the person who bears the brunt of of yeah right (laughs) of their like decisions i guess here their actions but yeah so 
there's the eating part about sooner, sooner or later you'll bare your teeth. So that could mean sooner or later you'll eat. It could mean sooner or later um, you'll bare as in like bare naked, right? Like you'll expose yourself and like mm-hmm. let your true self show in a way where like I'm asking you to hide it right now. And that is goddamn heart-wrenching. The idea and like I don't know how relatable this is to everybody, but like for me, at least, like the idea of being in a relationship in which you have to, like, keep not those show, fancy clothes on, keep those fancy clothes on exactly, not show your true self, and like, all for the purpose of getting by is like so heartbreaking. Yeah, it's heart wrenching. Like, yeah. Um, and then there's also too the barrier teeth in this like very animalistic way, which is like when like a dog bears their teeth at you or a bear, yes. it's frightening. It is like mm-hmm. a, a demonstration of their animalistic power, right? Yes. And so Monkey in asking her to not bear her teeth now is asking her like to put aside your power. And like this is also an interesting dynamic with Monkey and Bear is that like if we're thinking about these two animals, a bear can kill a monkey and no goddamn problem without yeah. – an issue, right? Monkeys are not – bears are just more powerful, right? And so even though bears are more powerful, like the monkey has manipulated the bear um, to think that like for the good of us, it's better that I don't show my power right now. I don't exert my power. So even though I have that power, I'm not going to um, exert it. And it's like a brute force too right like it's something physical and maybe it's also referencing like her own ability to coerce or manipulate and she is choosing not yeah to kind of buy into that at the same time totally i i yeah i very much get that vibe from from this verse and again it's just like really heartbreaking from like a very at least to me, like a very like woman centric perspective where that's just a relatable experience of having to mute yourself or like subdue yourself in a way such like so that you can appease somebody else. And like even as like a feminist who thinks about these things, like I will still find myself doing that kind of thing, like subduing myself for the peace of everybody. And that's just it's a a gendered thing that we're socialized to do to appease, appease, appease. And like, cause we're like both explicitly and implicitly taught that it's just, yeah, it's just relatable. Right. And like we, we said that that's something that monkey might be struggling with as well, right? Like how much of this is just his experience and how much of this is a choice for him to There's this other question too of like, why can't monkey make his own fucking money? Why does he have to rely on bears dancing? Yeah, monkeys can dance. Can monkeys can dance, right? But it could it could just be that like no one wants to see them. I, I, I don't know. I don't know what it is. But there is something like well, and then there's the question of what the crowd wants to see exactly too, and how much of that is something that they've been taught, um, that they've experienced, and how much of that is a choice as well. Yes, exactly. Which I think is not disconnected from our world wherein Mm -hmm. women can like dance in all sorts of situations they can like strip they can whatever like perform in ways that like people aren't 
aren't lined up to see men do in the same way. There's just a, this not equal supply and demand. And so pimps are a thing because there's this demand for, for women sex workers, right? Um, yeah, I don't know. I think that's just like an interesting thing to sort of like keep in the background of these analyses. No, totally. And I think it affects how you feel about monkey and bear at the end of all of it, right? Yeah. Can I take us a little bit off topic here? Of course. Um, so in one of the blessing of the birds posts, they connect, um, kind of like the constant tension between this liberation and eradication of, um, the female self and the female body to the tale of Lucretia, who was, yeah, (laughs) who was, um, a noble woman in ancient Rome. And I think the coolest part about this connection is it's something that is more likely than not true, Um, there's nothing written down, but it's a story that's been like passed verbally through these hundreds of years. And it's just a really interesting one. Um, so the story goes, um, the characters are Lucretia and there's Turquine, who was the son of the last King of Rome. Um, and the story goes, um, so Tarquin and Lucretia's husband are chilling. They're hanging out probably with a bunch of other men. They're drinking wine. And because this is hundreds of years ago, they're debating the virtue of their wives. <laughs> um, so when Lucretia's husband, Calantius, decides um, they should all hop on their horses and go see what his wife was up to. He wants to defend her honor in some way. And she's in their home, hanging out with her maids, and she's weaving. Um, Once Calantius can prove to all of his buddies um, that she's a good woman. She's hanging out with the maids. She's weaving. She's like, she's not doing anything unbecoming. Um, um, They give her an award. The award um, was the Palm of Victory, which is just like a literal plant. It was a branch of palm. Um, the husband then says to his pals, like, do you guys want to stay here? Should we head back to where we were drinking before? Um, and they decide to head back. And this is where the turn of events kind of happens. Either Tarquin, who remember is, um, the son of the last King of Rome, either he returns, like he, like, pretends to like yeah i'm coming along with you guys here i come i'll just be right behind you or he returns a few days later but regardless of that he creeps into lucretia's room he like tiptoes past her maids her slaves sleeping at the door and he gives her a choice he says i'm here i've made it into your room your choice is i rape you Or I'm just going to kill one of your slaves and let everyone know that you guys were having sex and I caught you. So regardless of your choice, your non-choice in this situation, um, you're screwed. Like your honor is destroyed. Like this is is it for you as a woman in these times. Um, Another version is that he tries to convince her that she should willingly sleep with him. And he uses every argument likely to influence a female heart, Um, which obviously did not work because she remains loyal to her husband and he ends up raping her. Um, 
and as we're talking about kind of like this general idea of these borders and we very briefly mentioned like the roles of men and women at this point um the lucretia stuff i think is super important especially at the end and it's so devastating and heartbreaking the way that the lucretia story ends which we'll talk about i guess when we get to the the end of the song unless you wanted to say now no and just like the this ends up like this finishes rome so as we approach further into the song just think about at least i will consider um kind of the ending of a republic and the rebellion that causes it as we go right um <clears throat> yeah and again like a, a big theme in in that story right is this idea of choice that you were um that you were talking about where it's like how much of a viable option do you need in order for what for your two options or whatever to be considered a legitimate choice right it yeah. feels as though if i say i'm gonna rape you or i'm gonna kill one of your servants that's not a fucking choice like it's just not you can choose one of the two things but you've still been coerced in this very meaningful way that does not count as consent and does not count as any uh, meaningful choice in the way that we we think is important, right? Which is yeah. to get some consent out of somebody. And I think that that is very much a theme throughout this song, which is that like for both monkey and bear, actually, like <laughs> as much as it's shitty, to, like it sucks to be sympathetic to, to monkey because he is absolutely the dick in this story. But like also he doesn't really have a choice. Well, it's not that he doesn't have a choice. He cannot be a dick to, to, to bear. It's just that, like, yeah, he might not be blameworthy about it. And he still does not have a choice in the sense that he has to live within this society that is more powerful and beyond his control. The way he's choosing to do it is exploitive and it's not good. Um, and Bear is obviously, like, obviously the real victim here. And she really doesn't have a fucking choice. Um, and it harkens back maybe to, like, the horses at the beginning of the story, which is, like, look, I can stay and live in slavery or like in captivity or I could go and die. And like both of those options are shitty. I'm going to choose to go and die because I don't want to live this. I don't choose this life that is where I'm like in servitude to someone just perpetually. Totally. And even that is kind of more of a choice than what Bear or Monkey or Lucretia have in this sense. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. It, at the end, we're not even – it's not super clear that Bear is not compelled to do this, right? It's not mm -hmm. super clear that she's, like, deliberating between these two options of – well, we'll get to that. We'll get to that. <laughs> I know. I jumped ahead a little bit there. It's all right. I oh, really enjoyed boy. that. Four hours from now, we will get to the end of this song. <laughs> so, Right. Now we're at this chorus insofar as like any Joanna song has a chorus. She says, but for now, just dance, darling. Come on, will you dance, my darling? Darling, there's a place for us. Can we go before I turn to dust? Darling, there's a place for us. In um, that post that I had mentioned or that we had mentioned before about um, – the like longtime reader of Blessing All the Birds who had contributed that post that they had written as an essay. Mm -hmm. um, they had said that uh, 
like the use of darling and of come on here is like sort of manipulative. It just speaks to the manipulativeness of of monkey where he's like using these like colloquial terms to persuade uh, monkey or to sorry to persuade bear in saying like come on like I'm using these pet names I'm being friendly like come with me I'm on your side but really it's super unclear that monkey is in fact on bear's side yeah in the article she says um monkey monkey indicates to her here is my hand shoulders his lamp and construes her as bride love and darling um just human terms of relationships and endearment right Exactly. And so it's it's further emphasizing this contrast where monkey is more monkey is compared to humans, but not not in a general sense in this very like dark view of human nature. Right. Where it's not just that monkeys being compared to humans, which I think he is, but it's also this further statement about human nature, which is that humans are exploitive at like heart, exploitative at heart. They're like um, like even when we uh free ourselves from the chains that we think are keeping us down we're gonna invent new chains and we're gonna we're gonna fuck things up like we can't just deal with being like animals and like free right yeah um so yeah i think the author was saying like the the use of these like very human terms um of endearment i guess and like come on just being like a very slang way of of persuading someone are sort of supposed to like speak to that, speak to the the humanizing of monkey, mm-hmm. but humanizing in like like this way, this very specific way where it's not when we when we say humanizing normally we mean something like we're like recognizing each other's humanity in a way that's like tender and sentimental. This is the opposite. It's like recognizing yeah. each other's humanness where humanness means something fucking dark. Yes, just the asking. Of come on, will you dance is almost like a pleading to like yeah. he's pleading with her. He's begging her. He's trying his very best to like almost like keep on this mask of calm that he's wearing. He's like he's playing a character almost as well. Right. Like he has this script. He know he he knows he has to keep her going. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's almost like to me, like is Bear dragging her feet at this point, and maybe not resisting verbally, but maybe just like a, like she's moving a little slower than he would like, right? Um, yeah, like it's also someone I think on Blessing All the Birds had mentioned that we don't ever throughout the whole song hear Bear speak. She doesn't say no, a goddamn thing. That's such an important point, Nikki. Yes. Yes. So this it's is all only the narrator. Monkey. Yeah, and all monkey. Exactly. Yeah. The narrator and monkey and we don't – so there's like this epistemological block that we have where we can't – and this I think is also very much highlighted at the end of the song where we cannot access what it's like to be bear. Yeah. Um, we cannot access like what she's feeling through this. It's like she's blocked off in this like – significant way I think where maybe it's because she's put up a wall because she's had to like in order to like get by maybe it's because we're too human we're too much like monkey to be able to like um relate to bear's perspective yeah exactly to see it maybe it's because the shit that bear's feeling just like cannot be expressed with these human words um but I yeah I think it's super interesting that we only hear um, the narrator and monkey. I mean, also we didn't really talk about, I don't know what to make of this though, but at the beginning of the song and then 
also when she gets to saying like, so with the courage of a clown or a crow or a kite, um, there's this harmonizing where these like different voices come in. So at the beginning, mm. like down in the green hay where monkey and bear usually lay, there's like this very creepy, like, like haunting kind of, I don't mm. know, harmonizing going on. Good word. Yeah. And I don't, I don't know what to make of that exactly, but there's something that if I had to guess, I'd say it's something about like the narration and seeing it from this very like third person perspective, but that's not, it doesn't quite track what's going on. So if you guys have ideas about that, please um, email us. We would be very interested in hearing. And it's almost like setting the scene too, right? Like it's, it's like, it makes me think of those like old timey movies, those like black and white films where the narration is only words. Yeah. And like down in the green hay, would be the words and then you would flip to monkey and bear hanging out in the hay together like it's almost like a like a like like you said a haunting introduction to them yeah. like we we are watching them we are only um we are only the viewers we are the third party viewers to this tale though we may relate to certain aspects we are not wholly in it exactly so yeah now that you say that i think yeah, that like resonates with me. Like I think that I like picture like reading like storybooks with my dad as a kid or something like and just like it's so the way that a story would be introduced like where down in the green hay, like we as the audience, there's like this audience of people you who know about this. zoom in on that. Exactly. Yeah. And then you zoom yes. in. Exactly. And so when she goes on to say later, like so with the courage of a clown or a cur or a kite, like we're zooming back out and seeing like the situation uh, from a wider perspective and then like we zoom back in again to to their specific situation yeah i love that point about the the many voices too one more quick thing before we get to the Mm -hmm. next thing no Um, rush real quick there's when he says when monkey says can we go before i turn to dust a super fucking manipulative oh get the fuck out of here exactly get the fuck out of here and then uh like also at the same time sort of brings to mind it just like is in line with the existential themes going on throughout emily right oh yes it's just like look we're 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 all gonna be dust very shortly yeah how fleeting this all is right and we talked so much about those big existential questions in the last couple episodes this next line I have such a vivid memory associated with and it's like one of those things that like I was embarrassed about. Like, you know, those like embarrassing moments where you sit in bed and you replay them, you replay and, like, them. for fucking like actually decades later. Like, is that just a thing millennials do or is that a thing for everyone? I think I've think seen more anxious human memes. beings. <laughs> so millennials. <laughs> so millennials. Exactly. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> um, so the next verse is and it's in in quotations as well. Um, so it's monkey. Monkey is the 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 voice right here is um, darling. Come on, will you dance, my darling? The hills are groaning with excess, like a table ceaselessly being set. My darling, we will get there yet. <sighs> right. So <laughs> the thing that I think about every time now that I that I hear the the hills are groaning with excess, like a table ceaselessly being set, I think there's a lot to say about these two lines in specific. Mm-hmm. Um my particular memory is just I took a at the University of Manitoba. I took a philosophy of metaphors course, and Ooh, cool. it was super cool. But 
as a part of this course, there was only like four of us, I think, maybe three students. It was like very, very small. That is too small. It was way too small. It was way like I needed more people to be there so that I didn't have to answer every question. But Mm. I remember like part of the class was like, well, we have to come up with a bunch of metaphors like so that we are able to analyze like the different functions of these metaphors. Right. Yeah. And, And this is, yeah, like back when like I'd be the same way now, but like I only had Joanna Newsom things to say. <laughs> it's just like Back when. here's one, here's one, here's one. And so like for the first maybe like three weeks of the class, I had just been like just completely freely offering up Joanna Newsom quotes anytime she had the the prophet asked for <laughs> for examples. And did and anyone I remember, get it? Was anyone like, oh shit, I love monkey and bear. So I didn't know until the prof's response to my giving this as an example. So she was like, here, like, can somebody like give an example of a metaphor? And I was like, yes, the hills are groaning with excess, like a table ceaselessly being set. And that, for some reason, this line made my prof stop and be like, okay, I think that we need more, more commonly known phrases. Cause she's like, I don't even know what that means. And I was like, well, <laughs> it's a goddamn philosophy of metaphors class. So we gotta, <laughs> we gotta lean into it. But Let's no, break it down not. guys. And then after that, I was so, I just did not offer another metaphor for the rest of the class. Cause I oh, like for the rest of the course. It's a good one though. It's so good, right? It's so good. Like I wish I had been in that class with you. I would have done the slow class. <laughs> Um, right. So God, this is such a good line and, and Mm. an important one, I think. Um, yeah. So like the hills groaning with excess, like a table ceaselessly being set. I can't remember if we've already gotten to this point or if we're getting to it soon, but, um, monkey says to her at some point, like, keep your eye fixed on the hill where ever after you'll eat your fill. Yeah. And here he's talking about the hills groaning with excess. So we're we're like looking toward or like referencing right now the land of milk and honey, I think, right? Like the the promised land that he's been talking about this whole time. Yeah. And the image of a table ceaselessly being set is a really interesting one because on the one hand, it's obviously very decadent. It's obviously like this abundance and excess and decadence because there's just a literal endless supply of like whatever, like cutlery and everything, everything, right? Things just keep coming. But the things that keep coming, when we're setting a table, it's that we're preparing it for the food to come. It is not the actual like deliverance of the food. And given the pervasiveness of Bear's hungriness throughout this song, I think it has this like sort of double meaning in a way where on the one hand it's excessive and decadent because there's a table that's like I sort of picture like this Alice in Wonderlandy like totally yes like like tipping table or tipping plates um and like teacups and stuff so on the one hand it's like excessive and like yeah decadent on the on the other hand though it's this endless promise of food right but there's never never actually the substance that's delivered to the table it's, it's just like you're like opening preparing. your mouth for a bite exactly. that's being held just out of reach exactly and like the the hills that are groaning with excess makes me think of those mountains kneeling um from emily like they are these hills are so <laughs> Yeah. They are literally overflowing mm-hmm. with the excess 
of promise with the excess of milk and honey with the excess of opulence like maybe capitalism too the excess of capital the excess the excess of decadence and like greediness and shit that we don't need she is hungry for a meal yeah exactly something we actually need like some sustenance yeah yes is this alice in wonderland endlessly setting table what anyone really needs right no like absolutely not no and monkey doesn't seem to either like do it or be able to do it to like grasp that concept right yeah Uh, yeah and if there's like if there's so many plates full of food you can't possibly eat all of it right like it's so many things that you can absorb you can eat with your eyes yeah but when you're so hungry, when your mind is so full of hunger, this is an impossible choice. And if that's what they're heading towards, like it's sickening almost, right? It's almost like they're choking on this excess of promise. Um, and then the the last line, my darling, we will get there yet. So I work a lot with children and there's this thing, um, this philosophy you can kind of impose on children called growth mindset and it's the idea that you can learn anything yet like you haven't learned to tie your shoes yet you haven't learned to spell a word yet um and i feel like monkey is using this on bear a little bit right now to encourage her to keep moving towards this ceaselessly set table and right. these groaning hills. Like, we will get there. We will get there. Yeah. Totally. And it's, it's creepy. Like, it, it's creepy. And it's he's like, it's almost like he's he's preaching a gospel here or something. Like, yeah. he needs Bear to believe in this bounty for them to find it. Like, if Bear's going to continue to follow him, continue to be his partner of sorts in this yes. journey. Yeah. She needs to believe whether he's spewing truth or not. Right. We haven't explicitly talked about this yet, but I <laughs> was trying to explain to my partner the relationship between monkey and bear. But he he was like, so wait, are they um, married? And I was like, uh, mm, uh, <laughs> like, they're either engaged or married. I don't quite know the relationship. I don't quite know if Bear is legit in love with Monkey. I, I, and whether Monkey is legit in love with Bear, I don't know. And it's kind of besides the point. It is besides the point. That's exactly right. Yeah, I think that's exactly right. It's besides the point. You should tell him to listen Listen to this whole episode. <laughs> I, I actively want him to not listen to these podcasts. <laughs> it's hard to listen to yourself. It's really hard. Song. It's really hard. All right. So do you want to get to they troop past the guards? Oh, yeah, sure. Go ahead. Okay. So then she writes and sings, they troop past the guards, past the coops and the fields and the farmyards, all night till finally the space they gained grew much farther than the stone that bear threw to mark where they'd stop for tea. So I'm going to stop there. Um. <clears throat> So I love the use of trooped. God, me too. Here, I think it's one of the uh, blessing all the birds posts where they just bring like a like this is where we recognize 
the rebellion in their actions here. And it's kind of just like a militaristic movement, the hup, 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 trooping. Yeah. Away they go. And like almost like. Oh, it was genius. Sorry. Genius pointed out the use of troop. Right. Yeah. The, like, militant image of them trooping past the guards also, like, invokes the idea that they're, like, driven by a cause, right? And they Mm kind of are. They're driven by this legit cause, which is, like, freedom from this captivity that we've both been subjected to. And then the idea of, like, space. Um, Is it, like, it just makes me think of, again, our last episode on Emily. Yeah. Um, And can we think about in kind of a backward sense, monkey and bear to be like the meteors who are moving backwards. They're like inhabiting that space between earth and everything else and moving from all they knew into like the ultimate unknown. Right. Um, and those big existential questions. And then just to reference um, a stone again, which is maybe very small, but we talked for ever about the skipping little stones across the surface of the water um and i want to believe that that means something the the throwing of stones right like that's Mm -hmm. not that's not a common thing that comes up in like songs all over the place the throwing of a stone seems really specific and maybe if only to call back uh to emily i don't know i don't know but like it just seems as though that is a potentially significant thing and i love just like this all-out joke of stopping for tea in the middle of like this rebellious of s- escape yeah like did they bring cups with them <laughs> like like it's such a silly i love it it's such like if we're talking about like i loved when you reference alice in wonderland later on all these like askew plates and dishes and utensils and whatever and like yeah. Do they have like a little picnic basket? Right. How like Winnie the Pooh or something? <laughs> right, right. <laughs> How did this occur? Yeah, exactly. It's just absurd. Um, which maybe speaks a little bit to like the fantasy element that mm-hmm. that anonymous person on Blessing All the Birds had written about. You should go read that article. It's so fucking good. Yeah. But again, yeah. it's called Sooner or Later You'll Bury Your Teeth. Bury, like B-U-R-Y, right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, Thank you for that. I just really quickly read like your feast is to the east, which lies a little past the pasture. Mm -hmm. And in that same article, uh, sooner or later, you'll bury your teeth um, by that uh, longtime reader of Blessing All the Birds. They had mentioned that um, the wordplay here. So. Oh, it's so good. Isn't this cool? So that that east is a the word east is a literal part of the word feast and the word past is a little part literal part of the word pasture and mm-hmm. so the person who had wrote this um blessing all the birds article had been saying like these things that monkey is promising to deliver fall short of the the contrasting thing so like east is it falls short of feast and and past fall short of pasture in the same way that monkeys' promises fall short of what they're supposed to deliver. And like not only is it just satisfying to the ear to hear your feast to the east, which lies a little past the pasture. Um, I like that that literary uh, analysis of it. 
Yeah, I have that in my notes too and just wrote, love it. Like this word structure is, um, I think, very specific and uh, very intentional. Yeah. Um, It's so interesting. And also that they're heading east where the sun will rise, um, which I think symbolically in general should bring good things. Yeah. But – at this point, we don't know if it will right. or not. It is the promised land, right? But we don't right. know. Right. And just like, don't look backwards. Like, it's almost, it almost seems a little bit threatening to me. Like, don't you oh, dare yes. look back. Like, what's behind us is gone. It's gone. Exactly. And it, it's very much reminiscent of um, like Greek mythology, like Orpheus and Eurydice. I think I'd read this somewhere. I can't quite remember now, but um, in my notes, right? So Orpheus looks back when um, uh, he's like re- rescuing Eurydice out of Hades. If you guys haven't listened to Hades Town, which is a musical by Aeneas Mitchell, you need to listen to it because it's the best thing ever. But um, yeah, anyways, it's about obviously Hades and the mythology surrounding that. But right, so Orpheus looks back and is punished for that. And I learned from whatever I was reading. Sorry, I didn't write it down. I'm so bad at that. But also someone had written that it is also reminiscent of um, Sodom and Gomorrah. So Ooh, yes. I have a tab open with this. You Sodom do? Okay, good. Because I don't I really know like fuck all about this, other than that she was not supposed to turn around and that she did. Um and that like that 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 turning around was like somehow facing the consequences and that that was bad for her. Okay, so the window that I have open is uh, Sodom and Gomorrah, notoriously sinful cities in the biblical biblical book of Genesis um, are destroyed by sulfur and fire because of their wickedness. Uh, In the Genesis account, God reveals to Abraham that Sodom and Gomorrah are to be destroyed for their grave sins. Abraham pleads for the lives of any righteous people living there, especially for the lives of his nephew and his family. Um, God agrees to spare the cities if 10 righteous people can be found. Two angels are sent um, to Abraham's nephew in Sodom, um, but are met with a wicked mob who are then struck blind by the angelic guests. Um, the exact nature of the damning wickedness of the cities has been the subject of debate. Traditionally, Sodom and Gomorrah have been associated with homosexual acts. The mob of men that accost the angels had demanded of Abraham's nephew Lot, where are the men who came to you tonight? Bring them out to us so that we may know them. Um, this has long been interpreted as carnal knowledge, and many believe that the, um, that it is the widespread homosexuality of the inhabitants that earns their obliteration. Doesn't she get turned, Gomorrah? Into a, like a pillar of something of salt. Hmm. Good question. Okay. So Lot refused to give his guests the inhabitants of Sodom and instead offered them his two virgin daughters, which have not known man. And to do ye as to them as is good in your eyes. They refused this offer, complained about this alien, namely Lot, judging them, and then came near to break down the door. Lot's angelic guests rescued him and struck the men with blindness as they informed Lot of their mission to destroy the city. Then they commanded Lot to gather his family and leave. As they made their escape, one angel commanded Lot to look not behind thee. As Sodom and Gomorrah were being destroyed with brimstone and fire from the Lord, Lot's wife looked back at the city and she became a pillar of salt. Ah, okay. 
So she faced bad consequences for having <sighs> looked back. As Zeus is turning Callisto, Callisto's a bear. She's in the sky. As Zeus is turning Arcus into the Little Dipper, he looks back Arcus at her looks as back? well. Arcus does. Oh, yeah. Yes. That's right. You had said that because he's like looking at his mom. Yes. No, that's really interesting. And there's like these – like. A bunch of different explanations as to why someone would look back if they're told not to, right? So one's just like pure curiosity. Mm -hmm. Another explanation is that like um, you might just be like worried, right? So like Orpheus and Eurydice, like Orpheus could have just been not trusting of Hades like reasonably. Um, You could just be like – desiring yeah exactly regretful of the thing that you're leaving behind yeah right there's a whole bunch of different ways in which um you could interpret what bear would be doing if she were to look back the next verse is maybe i'm going to say this a hundred thousand times as we work our way through um all of these albums but maybe my favorite When the blackbirds hear tea whistling, they rise and clap. Their applause cause the kettle black. And we can't have none of that. Move along, bear, there, there, that's that. The next very short one is in brackets as well. Though cast in plaster, our Ursula's heart beat faster than monkeys ever will. The play on... Um, the pot calling the kettle black here is uh, so potent. Oh, it's so, so masterful. Cool. So masterful, totally. She's ridiculous. Like she's so <laughs> in the best good. way. In the yeah. best way. Like yeah. her ability to manipulate words and like I just it's just so beyond what like my puny feeble abilities are as a human being I can't do anything as well as Joanne some manipulates words like it's just so crazy and it's so fun to tease apart and it's so way. fun exactly it's just like so pleasurable um right so okay so the blackbirds here so so monkey's saying let's not stop for tea bear even though I promised you we would because if the blackbirds hear um, our tea being prepared, they're going to like rise and cause a scene, perhaps a hypocritical scene, and we can't have none of that. So keep going. Like that same motion, like keep going, Bear. Go, 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 go. That's that. Yeah. And is the causing the scene like they're going to draw attention to the bullshit that I am spewing? Right. Or is it like they're going to draw attention to us escaping um yeah i i have to admit i don't fully understand this like although i love it i don't fully understand this lyric because i'm not exactly sure what to make of the idea that the blackbird's applause is the thing that cause the kettle black um so like to be clear i don't think it's it's super clear from from just audio um because you might think like their applause calls the kettle black, but she's in fact saying their applause cause, like C-A-W-S, like the way that mm-hmm. a bird cause the mm-hmm. kettle black. Um, having said that, she like also in the same era, I, I'm sure most of you guys know, has this 
fucking beautiful song that like if I ever have a wedding, which I don't want to have, but if I do, I need this song to be played at my wedding. Ka the Yows. Do you know that song, Sam? Uh, I do. This cover, this like old Scottish like song. But yeah, like looking at the like, um, like whatever, whatever you call it when like old Scottish language is almost English, but it's not uh, quite. Gaelic. Gaelic. Oh yeah, but it's like, it's a this mix. So like when she says like, ka the yows to the nose, like it's almost English. She's not speaking Gaelic, right? Is that straight up Gaelic? Like would they say to the? I don't think so. I think that it's like some sort of like hybrid between Gaelic and English. Ka the yows to the nose, call them where the uh something something call them where the bernie rose my bonnie dearie um but but call there c-a-w is is it means according to like i think wikipedia call c-a-l-l so it's both like this beautiful scottish way of saying call and also obviously relating to these blackbirds cawing in the way that that birds caw um, but yeah, I don't know why the applause would be the thing that like would be the thing that calls the kettle the kettle black, like be the hypocritical thing. I mean, I feel like it is them, this audience that they've come upon. It's the audience calling out monkey and calling out his hypocrisy and calling out his moving of these posts, calling out his insistence that they keep moving towards this goal that may or may not exist. Oh, um, right. That's okay. The way I took it. And so the reason that they're hypocritical, I, like, and hypocritical just because like when the pot calls the kettle black, that's just like a hypocrite, right? Yeah. The original saying is the pot calling the kettle black. Right. Um, so their applause it's like a nice like sounds almost the same um but the idea is that like they are also guilty of the same thing of like this same kind of like manipulation or the same kind of like whatever like conforming to whatever is going on yeah i mean i think they're guilty in the same way that any of us are guilty um we are a part of this greater thing um we're all fucking hypocrites man and maybe it's just a general reminder of that. Yeah. It's almost like it also very much brings to mind here like Monkey is very unsympathetic here. It like very much feels like Monkey is just making up excuses, right? Like you knew that yep. blackbirds existed in the fucking forest before you dragged Monkey or before you dragged Bear out into the forest. You knew that like if we were to stop and boil tea, tea boiling makes a sound when it's brewed in a kettle. Like it just feels very much like he's just yeah, like, oh, God damn it. Doing this thing that is so soul crushing when actual people do this to you in relationships where it's like this like post hoc justification where they're like justifying what they've just done. Being like, here are all the reasons that I just did um, what I did. When in fact, like, that's not the reason. The reason is that you wanted to have control over me or like you didn't want to relinquish that control. And you're just really good at like coming up with these rationalizations for why you did that. But like, that's not the reason. The reason is not that you were worried about the blackbirds. Um, the reason is that like you wanted me to not stop and reflect on what we're doing. Right. 
Yeah, and in like the definition for in like the the Wikipedia article for for the pot calling the kettle black, they kind of cite it as an example of psychological projection, which is exactly what you're saying. Um, which is the ego defending itself against unconscious impulses or qualities, both positive and negative, by denying their existence. Right. Um like a bully may project their feelings of vulnerability onto the target. Um Right. The genius, one of the genius notes for this part, um, just points out that uh, at this point, Monkey is taking any opportunity to kind of step on any small pleasure that Bear may have. Yeah. Um, And this like quick stop for tea, whether it be just a break or like they have their little little picnic basket full of teapots and cups. Um, is one of those. The foreshadowing, like what you just said, Sam, where Monkey is crushing whatever little bits of pleasure that Bear can get, this foreshadowing into like the later spelunking part is like the most upsetting thing for me. It's so emotional for me, this, the spelunking part in particular, but like, oh my God, that idea of just this person being so awful <sighs> okay yeah taking taking any small indulgence you might have and turning it against you exactly just oh yeah. god exactly and like bear so deserves a break she just so deserves like some solace she deserves or a break. yeah <laughs> yeah okay so i think we're at the though cast in plaster line is that right sam I believe so. So she says, though cast in plaster, our Ursula's heart beat faster than monkeys ever will. So like I get this line on like way more of an intuitive level than I get it on a propositional level. So when like I guess my interpretation is that I assume that Ursula's heart beating faster sort of means that like she's more alive in a way than monkeys than monkey will ever be. Um, yeah. Is that sort of your, yeah, like more empathetic in some sense, like even though, and the plaster, you know, maybe she's been hurt before. Um, maybe there's something that's stopping her from feeling all the feelings. Yeah. Um, she's being constrained. She's being constrained. Oh yeah. Like the leash. Totally. Yeah. Yeah. But regardless, um, any feelings she have, she has all the feelings she has are more than anything monkey um, could ever hope to. Yeah, like she's living in a deeper way than monkey could ever hope yeah. to. Yeah, very much so. The next uh, verse is, and again, but still, they have got to pay the bills, hadn't they? That is what the monkey'd say. So, with the courage of a clown or a cur or a kite jerking tight at its tether, in her dun brown gown of fur and her jerkin of swan's down and leather, Bear would sway on her hind legs, the organ would grind dregs of song for the pleasure of the children who'd shriek, throwing coins at her feet then recoiling in terror. (laughs) It's so good. (laughs) 
this part, so when um, I think their name was Av, uh, was saying to like talk about the musicality or like how the musicality is just inextricable from the song holistically, like this part, whatever she's doing here, I don't know if it's like she's singing in minors or like whatever the technical musical terms are for it. It is creepy as shit, this verse to me the way it almost sounds like an organ grinding you know like it kind of harks back to like that growling from earlier too right like there's an aggression to it there's a creepy eerie Mm -hmm. foreboding like it's very distressing this like the way that she sings this but still they've got to pay the bills hadn't they Ugh, yeah also, just the line, just like the straight up metaphor of um, the courage of a clown or a, cur- or a kite jerking to its tether. Like the idea of each of those things in their own respects and in their own ways having this courage is, I don't know why, like for some reason, so devastatingly heartbreaking to me. Like thinking of just the courage of a clown alone, like I feel could be its like own poem. Like the courage of something, somebody who goes out there and like is, whose purpose is to like entertain people or a cur. So a cur I think is like a, like a a mutt dog or something, like a dog that's like not valued or something. Yeah. And then a kite jerking tied at its tether, this kite that's like, it's about to break free, but like talking about the courage of that kite who's about to like f- free itself from its whatever is tethering it to the ground. Yeah, it's giving it its all. Exactly. Yeah, it's giving it its all. And like it is courageous because of like the unknownness of what lies beyond whatever's tethering. Like, what are you supposed to do once you're a kite who's Mm -hmm. (laughs) escaped from its tether. Like who knows? Um, I forget where I was reading this, I think on genius, but it was saying like, um, depending how cynical we are at this point in the song, we could think about the kite as, um, or at least like the tether in this line as being either the tether of like society. So like, Bear is being courageous in the way that like this kite would be if it were like bucking the expectations of society. Or we could think of it as though the tether were monkey himself who is like constraining her. Depending on our views about monkey, we could think about the like oppressor in the situation as being monkey or as being this like a larger societal thing. Um I don't know if you need to think either, actually. Like, I think it's just, like, a general really lovely metaphor. The jerking of a kite at its tether makes me think of the first book that I ever remember reading in my entire life. So this is probably, like, kindergarten. What was it? It's this book called Balloonia. And in my memory... It's just kind of the question of like, where do balloons go when we let them? What a very sweet story. I don't, you know, I don't remember it well enough to know if the ending was sweet. Um, But that's exactly the question, right? Like, 
given the choice of absolute freedom, where is this kite going? Where is where are monkey and bear heading? Right. I, that that's such a prominent theme throughout this song is where are monkey and bear heading? Like, what is the thing that? Like we were talking before that like if like the hills groaning with excess line, if the thing that they're trying to attain is like not worth attaining, that's like almost a scarier thing. It's a, it's like a nice, it's a nice comforting thought to have in mind the idea that like the thing that you're striving towards is worth it. But once you abandon the idea that that's worth it. So like if the hills are groaning with excess, because like this table is ceaselessly being set in that like there is no satiation. There is no satisfying of your hunger. Your hunger is going to remain because it's just cutlery and plates and teacups that are being set. Um, there's this very scary like again existentialness of – Then what? Then what? Exactly. Yeah. Then what are we aiming for? And yeah, like I sort of get that vibe with this this verse here like – this kite jerking tight at its tether. It knows that it's bucking whatever is holding it down, but it doesn't know like, what? what the alternative yeah. is. And that, mm -hmm. again, that alternative, I feel like is important. It's really hard to specify what the better solution is in the world that is currently available to us. And again, this verse is starting with, but still. Yeah. And it's it's not – these ones are not in quotations, so I'm assuming it's a general narrator here. Yeah. And they use the word they. They have got to pay the bills. And it's a question. Hadn't, Hadn't they? they? Yeah. And then they reference huh. – that is what the monkey'd say. So again, we're not hearing bear at all yeah. in this. Right. We know what monkey would say. We have no idea what bear would say. Right. And she's kind of that unknown alternative. She's that then what? Right. Um, she might have an answer to this, but like we don't consult her. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I never understood this next line like until today when she says, and her jerkin of swans down in leather, I guess maybe like because I was like primed by the last line where um, she sings like, or a kite jerking tight at its tether and her dead brown gown of fur and her jerkin of swan's down leather. I, I always imagined mm -hmm. it being like her jerking around her um, clothes, like in her in her dances or whatever. But I looked it up today. And in fact, jerkin is like a, a piece of clothing. Like it's like a sleeveless coat um, is oh, cool. what I found out. So I... Totally did not know that jerkin was its own word, but apparently that's what it's referring to. But I think I was reading today on um, Blessing All the Birds that, like, it really is true that this line is, like, almost – it's, like, bordering on cannibalism where um, it's not quite – it's not bare skin that she's talking about wearing and dancing around in. But it is animal skin that she's talking about wearing and dancing mm. around in. And because of Bear's like really close association with the animal um, like world, I guess, 
Like it's this part feels really violent to me along with like the way she sings it, like whatever minor key this is in, like it feels very creepy and violent and like unsettling. I just don't like the way that this part makes me feel. It's so good. But and it's also like the composition of swans down and leather. So swans down is like the soft downy feathers of the swan often used in trimming on articles of dress. So we have this very soft, very vibrant, like this white pure thing being combined with leather, which is a heavier, coarser material. And it's from two different animals as well, right? Right. Like at this point, after we've invested so much (laughs) in monkey and bear, that, that she's wearing something of these two other animals is kind of shocking. Yeah. Um, it's violent. It's violent. Yeah. Yeah. I'm just, just the combining of those two animal products in itself is like a violent, um, is a violent thing. Totally. Um, it's like a turducken. It's like the grossest imaginable <laughs> thing. <laughs> I just looked up the symbolism of swan because like swans down seems like a very particular kind of down to be mentioning. And so I just looked up mm-hmm. swan symbolism and it says the swan was seen as a traditional symbol of beauty and grace in, e- in ancient Greece and was sacred to Aphrodite. Um Ooh who it is not saying this here, so I'm not reading this, but I think she's very much like a goddess of femininity and sexuality and beauty. But it's just Bear is wearing... Bear in her like intuitive, emotional self is donned in this like whatever these like vestiges of these dead animals who are presumably as like intuitive and animalistic almost as bear was right and it's just so disgusting and violent to think of it that way also both like, sam and i are vegan so maybe we're just biased <laughs> and leather as a symbol of kind of a power of protection kind of contrasted with the with the softness of the swan too right yeah. like it's such an interesting combination yep um yeah totally and then, like, talking about her bare swaying on her hind legs is both, I think, a perfect invocation of, like, if you're picturing swaying, like, you're you're dancing in at least a way. But also, like, picture being, like, so overwhelmed, almost, like, drunk, like, so overwhelmed with, like, what's going on around yeah. you that you're just, like, sort of swaying through the motions and just like not really present in any of it. Like just like, it's like this blur of shit that's happening around you. And the organ would grind drags of song. Grinding drags of song is not necessarily something that you want to listen to. No. Right. Like it almost seems like she's out of it a bit. Right. She's kind of swaying back and forth. Yeah. Like this, maybe this is something that she's heard a thousand times, right? This is a performance. This is a role that she's played before. Yeah. Like to me, it boils down to that. Like she's, she is doing this for the money without a choice, right? Right. Like this is not a dance that is is happening. Last resort. Um, Yeah. 
It reminds me of so the dregs of song. Um, like my, I'm pretty much like every word that I know that is not like part of like common cultural like parlance. You're gonna talk about baby birch. Yes, that's exactly <laughs> what I'm about to talk about, Sam. That's, I'm so happy that you just like anticipated that because exactly. So when she's talking about dregs, I'm like, you poor little cousins. I don't want your dregs, like. It is the like unwanted by definition left over exactly, and so the organ would grind out these like unwanted songs and these like whatever these children would take pleasure from it. But Bear is like not having it; like she's not enjoying this at all. It's just a thing that she is doing, both for the sake of Monkey because he's said multiple times like do this for me, but also. Like for the sake of survival, like what is the other choice? And it's just not clear what the alternative is here, but it's such a creepy verse. This verse is so creepy. Yeah. And that the, the children wouldn't like laugh or like take delight in. They shriek. They shriek. They throw coins at her feet and then they recoil yeah. in terror. They're scared of her. They're scared of her. Like I feel like children have this innate sense of like whenever you enter a room – full of children, I feel like you need to bring a certain energy with you. And the energy that Bear is bringing with her is terrifying. Yeah, because she's like, not able to like, like, because she's going through some shit. And like, oh, that man. is scary shit that she's going through. Yeah. But you're right, though. Like, it is it is the idea that children can sort of like intuit these things in a way that adults cannot like you can like i don't know children are good at getting vibes from people i feel like oh are they ever right and so like they're almost like more like bear like they're more animalistic mm -hmm. right than like the monkeys of the world who are just socialized um there's a reason they're recoiling in terror right, right. like the energy yeah in the room in this space is palpable. Like they can feel her pain. They can feel that she's not okay. Like, yeah, yeah exactly. exactly. <clears throat> right. Okay. So then we get back to this chorus where she says, sing, dance, darling. Come on, will you dance, my darling? Darling, there's a place for us. Can we go before I turn to us? Oh, my darling, there's a place for us. Darling, come on, will you dance, my darling? Keep your eyes fixed on the highest hill where you'll ever after eat your fill. Oh, my darling. Dear mine, if you dance, dance, darling, and I'll love you still. That conditional love. So fucking at the bad. End there, right? It like is it's the saying, desperation. If you dance, I'll love you. Yeah. I think this was on Genius too that I was reading it, where that conditional sentence, it, it, it's so violent. If you dance, I'll love you still. It's not just violent in this interpersonal relationship, but it's also grooming Bear into thinking that like, look, I'm doing you a favor by loving you. Like no one else could oh. love you. Uh, like it's like a thing that I'm doing for you, right? And so like, like you have to earn it in this way that like no one would just give it to you, right? It's it's this fucking toxic ass grooming that happens to so many women yes. in this patriarchy in which we live that like, yeah, I don't And it's know. like harking back to like, I saw the open gate. Yeah. I brought us out here. Like it is because of me that you are even able to dance. Right. For these coins. Right. You're so, indebted to me. 
you are indebted to me. So I know I promised that that hill was coming. Yeah. But keep your eyes there. Right. Don't look back. Don't stop and question any of this. Like, look towards where I'm telling you to look. And, uh, like, again, it's promised. Also, the, like, threateningness behind when he says, oh, my darling, dear mine. Mine. Oh, it's so bad. It's so bad. It starts off sweet and it gets less so as he goes, right? Like Mine. Bear is, I feel like there's some heavy doubt in Bear right now, right? Like if the organ is grinding, she is swaying. Not only is this not like a willing act, but she's over it. Like in the most basic sense, she can't do it anymore. She cannot do it anymore. I feel that heaviness. I know. And Monkey feels as though... Bear is wronging him by not dancing. Like he feels entitled yeah. to her performance and her yeah. donning these like feminine uh like items, but also like behaving in this like feminine manner, in which like like he has to own it. He has to be in charge of it, as we'll see in the spelunking part that's yeah. coming up. But he is so possessive here in this very unhealthy, disgusting, toxic way. And yeah, it's very hard to feel sympathetic for Bear at all here. But again, eh, he's subject to pay- patriarchy like the rest of us are. But yeah, it's awful. Like poor Bear is his, is his belongs to him according to to Monkey, who is the person who is making the rules as has been established in the previous interactions that we've been privy to. The note that I have here is Monkey insists that if she just dances, just like it's a small thing, yeah. just keeps her eyes focused on the ever distant highest hill. Yeah. She will continue to earn his love even if the audience won't. Yeah. Because there's an audience here too, right? Even if it's just an audience of children. And then I have a note just of like, there is no mention anywhere here of like a mutual respect. Not like all. there is n- Right? Like, we don't hear Bear's voice. There is no back and forth. Uh-uh. Bear's labor is Monkey's reward. Yes. Like, at this point, there is no partnership. There is no equality. Right. I feel, like, slightly compelled here to talk about – there's this wonderful book that if you guys haven't read, you should read um, by the philosopher at Cornell. Her name is Kate Mann. And she wrote this wonderful, like, feminist book about the um, <clears throat> about misogyny. It's called Down Girl. And in her analysis of misogyny, she's talking about just in one of the chapters, she talks about what societally women are taken, like, what women owe to men according to patriarchy basically and a bunch of the things that she says are like care and love and attention and respect in a way that like men feel very entitled to and very like like uh, affronted if they don't get right and so part of what Kate Mann is saying here is that um like a large part of this like policing of women comes from the fact that men feel entitled to these things and like they feel legit, like jilted if they don't 
receive whatever they're entitled to according to like the patriarchal society and it really it feels like monkey is like super in that vein right now where he's just like look like you need to uh like do as i say respect me by like um understanding my plan here like know that i'm the rational person in the relationship who can um engineer the plans and you just need to like do as i say and you owe me this um yeah dude i like don't even know how to get into this next verse because it's like the most intense thing that i've ever experienced it's so (laughs) fucking crazy I was telling Sam as we started recording, now that I have like my whole giant glass of wine in me, I can tell you guys too that like I was listening to the um, Bottle Tree recording of Monkey and Bear right before we started recording. And as soon as Joanna gets to the deep in the night part, I just started like bawling and then I was like no for my podcast I need to not be like stuffy nosed and weeping so I need to stop this but like oh my fucking god every time I listen to it I just start crying it's so evocative like it's so emotional so and at the point in this song too the beat is yes. a bump in like we are moving right like if we were slowly leaving the farmlands before we're fucking (laughs) running yeah totally we are booking it and yeah we're booking (laughs) is that a thing people say still i don't know (laughs) but i still say it and so let's stay in the 2010s okay so like one very embryonic unbaked idea of like the musicality here that Av was suggesting that we talk about more is that I remember at some point in my life, not recently, listening or reading some interview where Jana was talking about this specific part of Monkey and Bear where she was saying like, there's something about threes. So there's something about like on the third beat, she's hitting like a certain word or a certain Deep syllable. In the night shone awake. And miserly light where the monkey shoulder his lamp. Like someone had told them the bear been one. Like it's so rhythmic. And like like you yeah. said, Sam, like just like very, like we're running now. It's so emotional. There's like a sense of urgency yes. here. Yes. There's a sense of urgency. It's so intense. She, especially in that bottle tree recording, <laughs> starts just belting this. She's just belting this in the way that like you don't really hear Joanna do that often. You almost hear her being out of breath with how much she's... Yeah, that's one of the notes that I made for myself listening to the Bottle Tree recording a number of times before we started was it's so surprising to hear her out of breath because if I'm singing along, I'm out of breath regardless of the recording. But it's so rare to hear her. Yeah. Yeah, that's a great point. Totally, Nikki. Yeah. We just never hear her out of breath and she really is with this part. And it's it's especially in that in that live recording, like you just hear her knowing that this part is something that I need to like sing and portray intensely. And there's just no question as an audience member, even in like the recorded version of East, that this is just like just the most in, intense shit. So, yeah. Okay, let me just, like, read the first – I don't know. I'm going to, like, stop at an arbitrary point because – Yeah. I'm going to stop before I – we get into the 
spelunking part because that to me is just so fucking sad. I'm going to cry. So, okay. Deep in the night shone a weak and miserly light where the monkey shouldered his lamp. Someone had told him the bear had been wandering a fair piece away from where they were camped. Someone had told him the bear had been sneaking away to the seaside caverns to bathe. I'm stopping. And as you sing it, it's like something that the, I feel like the the intention is we're moving downwards in some way. Like I feel like we're as we're rushing, we're walking like we're walking into the caves with her. Yeah. Um, yeah. We're like descending into this. Maybe like- we're descending. That's the word. Yeah. Maybe it's like the tone of her voice as she sings it. Um, maybe it's like the beat on three, as you said, but we're going down with her. Uh, what's the drummer's name? Neil, um, Neil Morgan or something? Uh, Neil Morgan. Yeah. Oh my God. I got it right. Neil Morgan. He, I remember like listening or like watching maybe him in like videos Doing this drumming, it is such an intense drum that, as especially said, in the bottle tree one, it especially, is yeah. it reverberates. It is clear. It is clear. Yeah, but yeah, okay. So okay, let's just like take this like whatever, like line by line. So like deep in the night, shine a weak light, miserly light. Um, miserly here just means like a weak light, right? Like a, a yeah. Just like not a very like, and I think that might speak to so monkey is holding this like torch or whatever it is wandering through the night, and he's not immediate emitting much light, right? He's not generating this light for himself. He is uh, he's a weak light as opposed to bear, which I feel like would be a strong light. I don't know. Yeah, and also like is the in my mind this is the the setting is kind of like that um, monkey has woken up. And notice that Bear isn't there. Yeah. And he kind of goes to search for her. Yeah. I think that's probably right. But again, this uh, – I think you had read this before, Sam. Monkey here is shouldering a lamp or described as, as shouldering a lamp. Yeah. And that's, again, a very human way of describing, like, you can picture exactly what the monkey looks like as he's holding the lamp up up to his shoulder, right? And someone, some unnamed person, but probably a village person, had told him that Baird been wandering a fair piece away from where they were camped. And the idea that that people are watching Bear. I hate she, it. Right? Yeah. That they're play, they're paying attention to her. They know where she is they're at all They're policing times. her. They're policing her, exactly. Yeah. And so... Monkey cannot deal. Oh, it's so sad. Monkey cannot deal with the thought that Bear is doing this thing for herself. So on one of the Blessing All the Birds posts, someone was writing about this, and it's just so devastating that um, at the beginning of the song, we hear Monkey pleading with Bear, like, please wear these fancy robes for me. Please, like, dance for me. Adorn yourself with these, like, garments such that, like, it'll make you palatable and, like, attractive to the audience around you. But now we see Monkey being confronted with a situation in which Bear is doing this for herself. She's sneaking away from Monkey so that she can go have, like, alone time, like, self-care time, right? Um, 
a small piece. A tiny little fucking piece. From where they were camped to, right? So it's not like they're staying in this glamorous lodge. Like, shit's tough. Shit is tough. And, like, her treat is that she gets to fucking bathe. Like, that's not a treat. Exactly. Um, It makes me think of, like, a traveling circus, too. Like, they're just going from show to show. They're making enough. To feed themselves, maybe. Yeah. To, like, just get by and then on to the next show. Yeah. Exactly. And Monkey cannot handle this shit. So um, Joanna describes Monkey as being afraid of spelunking down in those caves. So I had mentioned this earlier, I think, that I think this is, like, metaphorical for him being afraid to experience the depths the depths that bear is willing and able to experience monkey is just not willing to get beyond this like superficial societal level in a way that like bear is she's intuitive and emotional and she's willing to like plunder the depths of what it is to have an existence in this world and that can be both troubling and like really um rewarding but Monkey is just not even willing to go there at all, right? So he's afraid of He's spelunking. afraid of it. Yeah. Yeah. And he's also afraid what the village people would say if they saw the bear in that state, which again I think calls back to Monkey being paranoid and afraid about the blackbirds. Um, when they hear the tea whistle, they rise and clap, right? Like they're like drawing attention and Monkey's like, well, no, 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 I need to fit in. Like I don't want attention being drawn to me in the way that like would make me an outcast, right? Like I want to fit in. And so like in both situations, we see Monkey being afraid of what other people would think rather than him um, like developing or um, like abiding by his own opinions or thoughts of what – yeah. Bear might be doing. He's wholly defined by the expectations of others right. at this point, right? Like and that's a that's a thread that's that's consistent through the entire tale. Right. Right? Like is Monkey ever really able to choose for himself? He just seems so entrenched in this socialization that like He's embarrassed of Bear at this point, uh, too. That's right? so fucking like, sad. It's so sad. He's embarrassed of Bear and he like, this is the worst that Monkey ever gets. Yeah. (sighs) All right. Thank you guys so much for listening. We have a Facebook group. It is a hopeless endeavor colon a Joanna Newsom podcast or maybe the Joanna Newsom podcast. Uh, We have an email. It is a hopeless endeavor at gmail.com. Sam runs our Instagram. It is a hopeless endeavor podcast. Yeah. Send us your theories. Send us your um, comments on what we've said already. Thank you so much for listening. If you've made it this far, genuinely, I'm impressed if you're still here because fuck, we've talked about this for a while. Thank you all so much. Bye. Thank you so much. Bye.